this morning it's very easy to want to compartmentalize our life and even compartmentalize our worship and our time of chapel. But today we are hoping to do something different. We're wanting to create an experience of communion. So I'm going to ask you to quietly go back to your seats and to stay in this very frame of mind of worship that Jesus Christ is our living hope. As we uh, put our hearts and our minds upon the fact that before there was the resurrection, there was the crucifixion. And today our worship is the center of who we are and how we come to this place and how we arrive at the exact spot where God wants us to be. Maybe you've heard the phrase, keep it simple. Maybe you've muttered that under your breath, keep it simple. Whether you say it loud or you say it soft doesn't really change anything. I mean, have you ever stopped and wondered how come you even have to say that? Keep it simple. Why? I'll tell you why. Because we don't know how to keep it simple. Human beings love to complex things up, overthink things, overanalyze stuff to death. And so often, I see it all the time, what happens is we literally freeze ourselves in our minds and sometimes in our bodies that we can't do anything. We can't figure out where to go from there. And so we remain stuck, so we're afraid of making a mistake or missing something. One of the most misunderstood words in our society today and our modern world is simplicity. It's just a simple thing, but yet we get so complex. Now, one of the most wonderful things about simplicity is that, well, you don't really have to do a whole lot to explain it. We don't need to do a deep dive today to understand that simplicity as a word defined simply means easy to understand or do. So today, can we just keep it simple? That leads us to something that's been in the church for a long time, ever since the very beginning, something very profound in its simplicity, and that's communion. That's why we're here today, worship, communion. Now, all throughout history, there's been uh, a table. There's been some kind of table that's been fashioned around communion. There's been um, different kinds of tables that people have put together. And, and you know, there was one in particular that was very interesting. On a very strange night in a very private room, the Lord Jesus sat around a table with his disciples. We've all been in places where the table might be plain like it is today. Just a covering, a simple, straight, rounded table or square table. We've also maybe been in places where we've had tables that appear very ornate, very intricate, very detailed, very perfectly designed. The table, whether it's ornate or it is plain, was designed the whole, the exact same elements. So no matter where you go, what kind of table you have, you'll always find the same simple elements. One is solid, one is liquid. One is a simple piece of bread, and perhaps it's in the form of a wafer or maybe a flat kind of pancake-like style bread made with no yeast, or possibly you've seen it with a loaf. Then there's the liquid, and we've seen that in different forms, which again differs from church to church. In some places, they do use wine. Sometimes it's served in a single chalice, most often in small cups like we have today. And most like ours today, it is the juice of the grape. But it's the symbols, see, the simplicity of it all that makes it important. And fortunately, God makes it simple 
simplicity right, uh, clearness, when he demonstrates that while he represents what those mean in the elements in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 26. We find in this passage that we're to take what we're supposed to take in what order we're supposed to take them and, and why we are to take them. So again, notice with me, right? The beauty, the simplicity, the simpleness. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Again, nothing complicated. No detailed explanations. Simple words describing a very simple act. In that last meal that Jesus and the disciples had together, there was bread which remained from supper. And Jesus reached over and he picked up the loaf and holding it in his hands, he broke the loaf and distributed it after he described what it represented. And he said, this is my body. Now the kind of bread uh, used, like I said, mentioned, uh, like I mentioned, differs from place to place. And how we pass it out may differ. The taste of it may be different, but what it represents will always remain very simple. Jesus told his disciples, his followers, what? This is my body. Within hours, he would give his body to death. No longer would there be blood flowing through it. He would become a cold corpse within hours of this time that he was sharing around the table with these friends. And he wanted to give them a way of remembering him. And since that time, over many, many centuries, those who follow Christ are able to see with their mind's eye the broken body of Jesus. Ever since that last supper, uh, right down through history, we have shared the memory of Christ's body broken for us. Holding the bread, tasting its substance, we have felt what language cannot express. You see, nothing was said among the disciples as each partake of the, of the bread. As they took a piece, they, nothing was said. There was nothing they could say. And when everyone had finished eating the bread, Jesus reached over and then took what remained of the drink from the meal. And he looked into the, leak, to the liquid and, he, and he, he simply said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Just as the bread will always represent my broken body, so this liquid will also represent my blood, he said. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Now, whenever I've been called to minister to a dying person, or I've actually spoken at many funerals throughout my ministry career, I've always had a reoccurring thought. I'm not sure whether this thought is normal. I think it is. Or maybe it just comes with age and maturity, or if it's just, like I said, simply me being a little bit wacko. But I ask myself, will this person be remembered? Do they worry? Did they worry about being forgotten? Because you see, one of the greatest fears of dying is the fear of being forgotten. Now, historians will tell us that, we, um, that unless we become extremely famous... We'll be forgotten, every single one of us in this room, whether you like it or not. Here's the harsh reality of today. You'll be forgotten in about 50 years. I'm not trying to be morbid. I'm just telling you the truth of the matter. Your kids, your grandkids, and your great-grandkids, and then probably only your legacy remains 
your persona, your character, your integrity. Those things are just all that's left. So two times, right? First with the bread, now with the drink, Jesus asks to be remembered. Eat this bread when you do remember me. Drink from this cup when you do remember me. And then he said, I'm asking you to do this often. Now, this doesn't surprise me. If someone like me, right, and my definition of my life is that I'm going to be lint on the pages of history. That's pretty much what we're going to be. If, if, if that's me, I'm not surprised in that Jesus is saying, how much more would Jesus, right, the Lord, the Savior, a desire for us to remember him? Only Jesus' desire, right, is a lot different than mine. Mine is selfish. Mine is, look at me, I'm awesome, think of me, my greatness. Jesus, though, said, remember me because of my love and my sacrifice for you. This cup, he said, is the new covenant in my blood. Uh, Read it in whatever language you want. Uh, Travel to whatever culture you wish. Whenever Christians gather around the table where there is bread and where there is liquid, it always represents the same thing. It always causes us to remember the timbers upon which Jesus died. It always causes us to see the blood that would stain that cross. And it wasn't just his death that was significant. It was also the blood in his veins that mattered a whole lot. Because without, right, the shedding of blood, there could be no remission of sins, no forgiveness, no cleansing from unrighteousness. And so Jesus handed them the drinking vessel. And as he did, he told them, this cup is my blood. Whenever you drink it, remember me. So today, in a few moments, when we partake of communion together, when we drink this liquid, when we taste it, and when it penetrates our taste buds, as we swallow it, we remember the blood that cleanses sinners of their guilty stains. And we remember we are forgiven this day. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. I mean, do you know that, right? Do you understand the significance of that? It's not just these elements. It's that key significant statement that you're proclaiming what Jesus Christ did until he comes again. Do you know that today you are making a proclamation? You're not just doing this selfishly for yourself to remember. You are proclaiming for the world and for yourself. When you take the bread, you are announcing that, that Jesus Christ's body was given for you. Do you. When you take that cup and you taste it and you drink the liquid, you acknowledge that his blood was given for you. You are remembering the Lord's death, his broken body, and his shed blood. And let us not forget that the Lord's Supper is the center of our worship. It is our being. It is our lifeline because it is here in this moment today that we will find ourselves Here, we will know that we are with the Lord again. Here, we will make close, intimate fellowship with him. Here, we will then draw service and strength to go out into the world. Here, we will gain the perspective that reminds us that we are, while we are in this world, we are not of this world. And here, we can expect Jesus to come with power and move among us. And here, we are in the center of exactly right where we're supposed to be in our worship to him today. 
And so right now I'm going to ask those who are helping me to serve the elements to come at this time. We're going to be having a little bit different service of the elements today. We're going to have some stations down here, but we're also going to have stations up top on the, on the, on the balcony area. And we're just going to give you a couple instructions, then we're going to go right back to what we're doing. But I want to make this very simple today. I'm going to ask each section that you're in to, to exit to your left and then come around and receive the cup and the bread and then go back in to your right. So this section will come out, go here, and go back in. You'll come out, go out, come around and go back in, out, come back in and go out. Up there, you're going to go to the, to the edge by the door in the center area by the sound booth. There'll be a station there, and you'll receive your elements. What I want you to do is to take the elements and to uh, go back to your seat and to hold them because there's also another key component to what we do today, and that's not that just communion is while valuable for ourselves, we can experience that in that moment, there is still something profane. There is something amazing, something incredible, significant. We call ourselves a community. We're going to take communion together as a community because it then signifies that we are one with each other and with him. So I want to thank those who are serving and asking them to come as they're here now. We're going to be ready in just a moment. So what we're going to do is I'm going to ask you Uh, to begin to go ahead and move. And while you're moving, I'm going to set the stage a little bit more for you. So while you're waiting to get up and come, you can go ahead and listen. I want to just give you a little bit more detail about what that experience would have been like. Our our, our musicians are going to be coming as well, and we're going to be singing a song at the end, and that's how we're going to conclude. So at this time, if you would, just go ahead, everyone. Would you stand, please? And let's begin with the first rows to move their way into uh, receiving communion. Again, while you're coming, I want to set the stage a little bit more for you. Just receive the elements and go back to your seats. When Jesus picked up that flat piece of bread, it was flat because it had been prepared with no leaven. And Jesus took it and he snapped it in two. And you could literally, maybe you've heard it, right? The crack of bread being broken. And as the disciples sat in complete silence, Jesus made that bread represent something that it had never been represented before. He looked into the eyes of his disciples, and they knew as that bread was snapped that he was going to represent his body being broken, which in less than 12 hours from that moment would be put on trial. He would be scourged, and ultimately his hands and his feet would be nailed to a piece of timber. And he would be suspended in a place that was reserved for criminals. And and dare I say it, I know it sounds somewhat forbidding today. They would hear the crack of his bones being broken on that cross. The crack of his body being broken. And Christ's back, which was going to be scourged, would be bloody, would be raw, and would be pressed into the ground, grinding dirt into the open wounds And this excruciating pain would overwhelm him as the soldiers then pinned his outstretched arms over the crossbars and nailed him to the cross. There, the Lord and Savior, the hands that had touched them, the hands that had comforted them, the hands that had healed them, those hands and feet would bear the scars remembered down through eternity. So when he said, this is my body, take it and eat it, Eat it in remembrance of me. He knew what that meant because you see, 
He had seen Roman crucifixions. Everybody had, the disciples as well. And he knew that his body would be snapped in places by the sheer horror of the most heinous, barbarous, barbarous act ever put on the pages of history, death by crucifixion. Jesus knew that the agonizing hell of crucifixion would begin. And in case you're uncertain that he might have known that, look at Psalm 22, verse 14, written hundreds of years before Christ and prophesied by the psalmist. He said, I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax. It has melted away within me, and they pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. People stare and gloat over me. Now, those are thoughts that we would naturally put out of our minds. Yet Paul, writing several years later, reminded us of what Jesus did when he said, I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. You see, Calvary's love was more than just the pain of human suffering, of a broken body. And while that's important, we also have to consider the second element. We cannot forget the blood that was spilled. You see, from the very beginning of time, it has been clear, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Since the very beginning, there was sacrificial animals. Blood has been shed down through the centuries, even to the death of our Lord Jesus Christ. And in some mysterious way, I think we can see that life is in the blood. One author of this incredible mystery says it like this, In the human body, there are many different kinds of tissues. We define them as muscle and nerve, fat, gland, bone, All these tissues have one thing in common. They're fixed cells. Unlike uh, these fixed tissues, the blood is fluid and mobile. That is, it's not limited to one part of the body, but it's free to move throughout the body, touching every fixed cell as it supplies nourishment and carries off the waste. In the normal body, there are about five quarts of this fluid. And this blood, which is pumped by the heart, circulates, get this, through the system, through your body every 23 seconds. So that every single cell in your body is constantly supplied and constantly cleansed. And once that blood fails to reach the cells of our body, we will promptly die. So it is true, the statement, life is in the blood. And so Jesus picked up the cup and he made a phenomenal connection between that cup and his blood. Like us, he has about five, he had about five quarts of blood in his body. And except for maybe an occasional nick from the sharpenders, uh, the carpenter's shop that he might have experienced while he was working, his blood had never been really shed. But as Jesus took the cup that night, he knew that in just a few hours, This would change. He knew that his life's blood would be poured out and with it would go his life. 
And so he took the cup and spoke what must have been frightening words to hear. This is my blood. Take it and drink all of it. Because they knew what he meant. He was going to die. And from the day our Lord's blood was shed, never again would another animal sacrifice be necessary. Truly, right? He paid the price for all. And so what I want you to do right now is, as everyone has been served, if you would, stand with me once again, please. Pause with me and just let this moment sink into your heart and your mind. Just tell yourself, keep it simple. Let the simplicity of the words of Christ and his actions be remembered in my heart and in our hearts today. If you would, just bow your head for a moment. Close your eyes as we get ready to take the elements. Today, I hope that your heart has been stirred, your mind has been arrested, and your spirit is soaring. Seeing the pain, the bloodshed of Calvary through the eyes of Christ helps us to know what he endured. And as you hold the bread in your hands, hear the words of the Lord. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax. It has melted away within me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. People stare and gloat over me. This is my body, broken for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. Would you eat together of the bread? Once again, would you bow your head with me? From the time our Lord was scourged, his precious blood began oozing from his body. Blood oozing from the stripes on his back. Blood leaking from his thorn-pierced brow. Blood flowing from his side, his hands, and his feet. And today, as you hold this cup in your hands, see Christ whom they pierced. Every sin of all mankind, including yours, has been atoned for because God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten Son so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And that is why Christ's blood purchased for you offers forgiveness of sins and everlasting life. Let's drink of the cup together.